This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 11. And as you do that, I want to um, just bring to our attention that, uh, as you may know, uh, sin often can be a battle within ourselves. As Pastor Bill would remind me, uh, we are not just looking to make better sinners in this world. And you may wonder, like, what in the world are you talking about? What I mean is this. Uh, we are actively calling people to faith in Jesus Christ, not to just be better people. And here's the reason why. is because we believe that God is waging war against sin, Satan, and death in this world. And that if we're actually going to grow into what God has called us to be, we've got to understand what He is doing in our life to recreate us and to conform us into His Son's image, Jesus Christ. So look, when we see sin or evil and wickedness in our lives as a battle within us, here's what we do, right? If it's an individual battle within us, here's what we do. We win both ways. Think about it. If you engage in the sin and you feel the temporary pleasures of this world or the temporary excitement of what you have done, then we feel like we have had victory And we start to wage war against the other side saying, no, this is actually what is good. This felt good. This is right for me. I enjoy this. I won. And then sometimes we feel like we're living in seasons where we're like overcoming that temptation or that evil in our life. And we're like, man, no, I am being victorious. I am winning. You see, when sin is just a hidden sin within and when we're battling it just within our own hearts, it's hard to lose right? At least initially, we kind of fool ourselves to think that we're winning in every area of our life because we're, sometimes we're engaging and we're like, man, this is good. Sometimes we're not. And we're like, man, we are strong and we're victorious. And like, look at what we've accomplished. And it just feels like, man, if it's inside of us, you're always winning. But I want to give you an illustration of this that might help you to better understand that what we're actually doing is we're not seeing sin and evil in the in light of what is actually happening between God and His creation. When He declared it to be very good, we disrupted what is good, created evil and death, and then now He's restoring that back into what is very good. Sometimes we don't recognize this, so I'm going to give you an illustration, parents. You remember when your child that time uh, to- uh, talked back to you. And you were like, in your mind, you thought, oh, this is just, uh, this is just happening to them. Uh, this is just something that they're going to have to work through and they're going to battle through. This doesn't affect me at all. That's what you thought, right? No. Right? You were like, this, this little child's about to go to war with me. <laughs> he, this little kid thinks that they can talk back to me. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're feeling. You're like, man, it's a war of words about it begin. Like you just erupted into war because why? Because that child thought that what you said was good or that they ought to do, they thought, nah, I ain't going to do that. So they talked back to you, right? I remember the story. My dad tells me a story like this with my sister. He says that uh, if he told my brother what to do, my brother would just like go grab the remote and bring it to him, right? My brother was super obedient. Uh, If he told me what to do, I'd start asking like 100,000 questions. Like, why do you need the remote? 
Like, right, we can figure this out. I'm a questioner, right? If you told my sister what to do, she'd be like, get it yourself, right? <laughs> she's the baby, right? Now, I joke with her. She's probably watching. I love you, sis. But here's the thing. When we talk back, it's like, it's like battle begins, right? We need to understand that our sin is not just something that affects us. When we sin against a holy God, the God of the universe who created us and declared us to be very good, we are waging war at God to tell him this. I believe that it is good for me even though you said it isn't. I don't care what you want me to do, God. I'm going to do whatever I want. That's war. Parents, you felt it. You understand a glimpse of what it's like. God created you and he created your child. And when we wage war against him through sin, it is all out battle. And you know what the truth is, y'all? God went to battle for your heart. God went to war for you. From Noah's ark to Abraham's family, to King's di- uh, to David's dynasty, all the way moving up towards Jesus Christ, death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. That's all been the plan of God to find you and rescue you. That's been God's plan since the beginning to find you and rescue you and save you out of sin, Satan, and death and into heaven for eternity. God has been working. Think about it. God has been working since creation. Knowing what would happen, He's been working to save and deliver you. And He knows what is good for you, and He knows what you ought to do. And for us to look at Him and go, I don't care if you've been working for all of creation. I don't care if you tell me what is good for me, and I don't care if you tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want. Y'all, that's straight up, no other way to say it. It's war with God. We have to understand that every time we engage in that kind of conversation and that kind of action, we are fighting against what God is doing in us. And we need to see it within the context of a God who has been and will always be. This isn't a God who has been alive since you were born and who will go away when you die. This is a God of all eternity. And you know, you know that a God that has been around for all of eternity knows how to battle. You know what I'm talking about? He's seen humans rise and fall. Kingdoms rise and fall. Sin overcome. He's seen humans overcome sin. He has seen it all. He has fought in it all. He has battled and sent His Son Himself through it all. Engaging every sin that we engage and temptation that we engage. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. Like Jesus fighting. God the Father fighting for you. This morning, I want you to consider, have you seen sin, Satan, and death in the context of a battle? A battle between our sin, Satan, and death, and the God of the universe. Or have you just seen it in the context of your own life and your heart and your relationships? You may say, man, Matt, I have broken every relationship I've ever had. I have had friendships severed because of my anger, my gossip, my slander. I lie to people and I have lost all my friends. You may be just tired of sin. You're just tired of evil and you're like, I'm just 
tired of being broken. I'm tired of fighting this battle. I'm just tired. Like I'm working all the time. I want to show you scripture this morning. And I want to show you how God has created a way, a plan to move forward for your life. He has come to save you and to recreate you into what is very good. And I want you to see he has a plan for you. This is not a battle you have to battle alone. It's not a battle you have to battle within. It's a battle that God has been battling since the beginning of creation when we fell. And if we're going to do this, we need to recognize the enemy. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. We need to recognize that the devil is attempting to kill, steal, and destroy, as John 10.10 would tell us. We need to recognize what the devil is doing, but we also need to see what our God is doing. If we're going to fight sin, we need to recognize our Savior and what He is doing. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness, because by His wounds you have been healed. We need to understand that the devil is here to kill, steal, and destroy, but God has come that you may have life. You need to see the enemy versus Christ. You need to see this in the context of waging war, and we need to see this in the context of this is something outside of just us. If when our children sin against us, it's not just dealing with them, it's an affront to you, then we need to see that we are the children of God, and that when we sin against Him, we are waging war against the God of the universe. Scripture would tell us this, that we are at enmity with God. We are against God unless we are for God. And I want to call you and challenge you to commit this morning. I just want to ask you to commit, to submit, to recognize that Jesus is your Lord, which means that He's going to guide you, enable you, and admonish you and encourage you towards becoming more like Christ. I want to allow you and give you space to say, I'm going to let God invade and transform my life, or I'm going to keep doing it myself. I want you to find which camp you are in, where you're at in this journey, and who you're waging war against. I want you to be able to say, Jesus is my Lord, or Jesus is not. I hope by the end of this time together you can say one of those two things because God is working in you to recreate you, to conform you into His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what He is actively doing. We are either going to be participating in it or fighting against it. Look at Romans 8.29 with me. It says, For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son. In 2 Peter 1.4, it's going to use divine nature. Here we're going to see an image of His Son. It's the Imago Dei, the image of God. God predestined before time. And I'm talking before creation, before He knew what you would do, the decisions you'd make. He knew that what was very good would become sin, Satan, and death. And then He would restore it. Before all that took place, He predestined. He knew you, chose you to be conformed, transformed into the image of God. Think about that in the context of your life. God has known and been working in your life for all time to restore you into the creation, the image of God that He originally created you to be. 
Like, think about the the concept of like Noah's Ark, uh, Abraham's family, David's uh, kingdom, uh, Elijah, Elisha. Think about it in the prophets and Jeremiah restoring the kingdom. Think about it in prophecy of who Jesus would be. Think about it in Jesus coming and dying on the cross and raising from the dead. Think about it in all that context. God was working to recreate the world into what he created it to be because we messed it up and he loves you enough to do all of that because he predestined you to be conformed into the image of his son. And not just you, but everybody who declares by faith that they believe in Jesus Christ. God has been working to conform you into the image of his son throughout scripture and in your life. He is working. You may say, Matt, what is the image of Christ. I want to try to simplify it for you this morning to understand in this way. He's transforming your character, your love, your actions, and your thoughts into the image of what his son had in character, actions, thoughts, and love. He is recreating you to look like Christ in character, to look like Christ in love, to look like Christ in what you think, and to look like Christ in what you do. That, would, that is what it means to be recreated, conformed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, obedient in all things in the character of Jesus Christ. This is what God is transforming and forming in you and in your life. And I want to show you through Scripture how Jesus is doing this. So we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And I'm going to show you actively how God is actively, not passively, but I'm going to show you how God is actively working in you through His Word guiding you, His Spirit enabling you, and His church admonishing you. I'm going to show you this morning through this scripture that His Word is guiding us, His Spirit is empowering us, and His church is admonishing us. Look at verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Now I want you to see His divine power, that is the Spirit of God working in you, God's power in you, is working. Now what is it doing? It is giving you everything required for life and godliness. Now you may say, uh, I'm struggling in life with uh, uh, gossip. I'm struggling in life with how I lie about others. I'm struggling in life with my anger. I'm struggling in life with my addiction to sex. I'm struggling in life with porn or with with, uh, mistreating people. Um, uh, hurting people. I'm struggling in life with whatever it is, an addiction to a drug, an addiction to uh, illicit or illicit drugs. Uh, And I'm doing things that I know I ought not to do, Matt, and I can't get out of it. Yes, you can. That's garbage. Yes, you can. Why? Because God's power is in your life working in and through you to bring you out of sin, Satan, death, and into heaven. God has been working since the beginning. You think he's going to look at you and go, I can't do anything with him. Yes, I can make an ark and I can build it up when there's no flood. Yes, I can raise a little girl, Talithia Kum, raise up. I can raise a little girl. I can raise my son from the dead after the Jews kill him and the Romans try to slander him. I can do all these things, but I can't help you. That's garbage. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 would tell us it's so much it's so much of a lie of sin, Satan, and death that God has given you everything. It's not just that like that one thing you struggle with 
or that one problem you have, you have everything required for life and godliness. And man, just one at a time, it's like, God, man, I'm struggling with this. Don't forget, God has given you everything required for life and godliness. But God, I struggle with this. God has given you everything. But God, I struggle with this. God has given you everything. Everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called you. Man, this, this truth can, can change how we even view our recovery from sin. How we even re, uh, re, view our transformation in life from death into life. It changes everything because what we recognize is God has given us all we need to engage this battle. It's like you go into war and you're like, man, you, you, you run out to war in the middle of everything and you're like, man, I don't have a gun. I don't got, I don't got a helmet. I ain't got nothing covering me. I don't even have shoes on. Like I, have no, I got nobody to call. I don't got a phone on me. And I'm running in the midst of this battle and I've got nothing. Man, you feel like you, there's no way you're going to win. But let me tell you something. When you run out in the midst of battle and you got everything you need, every single piece of gear you need, there's a confidence. And brothers and sisters, you have everything. Everything required for life and godliness. Look at verse 4. By these he has given us very great and precious promises. Now stop there. His divine power, that is, the Spirit empowers you. And now look at this verse, verse 4. By these he has given us very great and precious promises. The Word of God will guide you. there's many times in your life where you're like, man, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know if this is sin. I don't know if I should do this or not do this. I don't know all these things. Man, look to Scripture. God's Word will guide you. Why? By His precious promises, His great truths, these beliefs that God has given us, this firm foundation. Look, there's some times where you're going to feel like, man, I am the scum of this earth. And you need to go back to Scripture where it says, as far as the east is to the west, you have been forgiven. You look at Galatians 5, as we talked about, verse 1. Why would we return back to slavery? Because you have been freed. You look at Romans 6, and remember, where it says, should we return to sin anymore? No, may it never be. May you not return to this. Why? Because God has brought you from death into life, verses 8 through 10. we got to see that God has a gift for you at the end of chapter 6. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Look, you want the gift of hell, or you want the gift of God's presence for eternity? God has it for you. And we need to remember that promise. Like, that promise is part of our transformation. When you can remember the promise, of what God has already blessed and, and, and guaranteed for you. It, it changes the way we view this process of what God is doing in our lives. These great and precious promises that we can cling to, that I've been freed and forgiven, that guilt is no more, that I'm not going to be overcome, that there is a way out. Look, you, you, we want to talk about garbage again. Let's talk about garbage, that, 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 that lie from sin, Satan, and death, that lie that has been creeping up in your mind that there's no way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And he will provide a way out. A way for you to stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Don't feel like you are done, lost, forgotten. Like there's no way. You've been given everything. And these precious truths and promises confirm that God is not finished with you. That God can work in you. That there is a way out. It continues in verse 4 saying, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Isn't it so cool that like, look at, look at what has happened here. God's word guides you. His very great and precious promises are the truths that you need to stand firm in the midst of the tension that you have in this world. 
so that through them you may share in the divine nature, so that you may be recreated into the image of God, right? And it's avoiding the corruption of this world and the evil desires of this world. Do you see how that works together? God's word recreating you to the image of God so that you can abstain from the evil corruptions of this world. When you feel like you, get, you can't do it, you look to two things so far. You look to the power of the Spirit and the truth of the word. God's word will guide you. God's Spirit will empower you. Now, we've seen two awesome truths. God's power is going to work in us. God's word is going to guide us. Um, But I want you to see something really important here. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort. Now pause there. Make every effort. Everything that has been happening has been passive. God's going to work through you. His word's going to guide you. But I don't want you to think that the part of growth in your life, that journey of growth in your life, is just like laying down on the ground like, God, I'm here, do what you want to do. It's active. There's passive, there's active. We are actually working in this process. Let me show it to you. Uh, Romans 8, when we stop being active, making every effort, when we stop that, the Spirit starts praying for us that we'd kickstart again. The Holy Spirit starts praying, like, God, work in their lives. God, use them. God, move them. We don't know. It says, like, these words of utterance. We don't exactly clearly know what those words mean. All we know is this. The Spirit is praying that you won't give up, that you won't stop. Make every effort. Ephesians 4, when it's talking about sin and righteousness, it says to put off the desires of this world and to put on the clothing of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. Here's what that means. That's active. Put off put on. That means we're doing something. Make every effort. Galatians 5, it says walk with the Spirit. Romans 8, walk with the Spirit. We're walking, we're moving, we're putting off, we're putting on, and we're working with the Holy Spirit to uh, accomplish uh, righteousness in our lives. Now, I'm not telling you that you can do anything to save yourself. I'm not trying to get an email about how I told people to work for their salvation. But I'm also not trying to telling you to lay down and just don't do anything. Here's what I'm telling you. When God saves you, when God changes your life, when God sees you as holy, He actually makes you holy. I love this. Like, I love this truth. He's actually working in you to create you and to be what He's already declared you to be. Two big words. Justification and sanctification. Justification, God declared you to be good. Sanctification, God is making you what He declared you to be. Justification, God declared you to be good. Sanctification. God is making you to be what he declared you to be. God is working in your life right now to make you very good, which is what he declared you to be. When you were saved by grace through faith, nothing we did, God saw you, he saw righteousness in you that you never earned, and he declared you to be good. And now he is making you in to what is very good. And we are participating in that by making every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. You know what I just came back to? The Word of God guides us. Like it's kind of capstone here. The Word of God is guiding you and then it comes back to this, forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Because sometimes when we get in the rhythm of sin, what we do is we just forget who we are and we just need to be reminded. And you know how we're reminded? Go back to God's Word and remember that you've been declared to be children of God. Galatians 4. 
Go back to the Word and remember that you've been adopted as children, uh, Romans 5 through 8. Remember these things. I'm telling you these things. Write these things down because you're going to need to remember that you are children of God when you're fighting sin, Satan, and death. Because you're going to need to remember that you're waging war and you need to know what camp you're in. Because if you're going out there thinking, I'm just fighting against myself, you won't remember this. God adopted you, chose you, is conforming you. He's predestined you. He's making you his own. He's brought you into a church for a reason. God loved you enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, You need to remember these promises and truths because when we forget those things, we often start to stumble. We get blind and short-sighted and forget what we read, forget what we memorized, forget what we meditated on when God declared us to be his son and daughter. Verse 10, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, again, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. I want you to skip over to Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And I want to show you this truth a little bit more. I'm going to show you God's Word guides us. His Spirit enables us. And His church admonishes us. And in Hebrews 10, I want to show you this. He has sanctified you. He is, is sanctifying you. And He will forever sanctify you. So look at this with me. Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, how do you enter God's presence? There's only one way. Through the blood of Jesus. Why? Because you've been forgiven and freed. Remember that. People who are unholy don't get in the presence of God. It's not a good thing. Because God can't be in the presence of unholiness. God God doesn't put himself in the presence of unholiness without making those things righteous. This is what Jesus Christ was doing when he came. He was making things good, restoring things back to very good. This is what God is working to do. Things that come into God's presence with full confidence are because they've been made very good. And the reason that you can come with full assurance in the presence of God is because Jesus Christ has made you, by his blood, has made you what is called very good. And so remember what I told you, you've been sanctified. That is, you are good. Not from a goodness that is from within ourselves, not because of something we did, but because Jesus Christ has made us good, God sees us as good, and therefore we can boldly enter into the sanctuary, to the presence of God, through the blood of Jesus, because He has made me what I am not, because of what He is. And now I am seen as good. Verse 20, He has inaugurated us for a new living, new and living way through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. Did you see that? You see what just happened there? You are good, very good, sanctified through the blood of Jesus, but now he has a new and living way for you to live. Right? You are good, and now he's got a new good way that you ought to live, a different way to live. I'm not just asking you to be good. I'm not just trying to make better sinners, as I said before. I'm not just trying to say, hey, you should be good. Here's what I'm trying to tell you to do. When Jesus, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, when you love Jesus, when you've been called by his name, and when the God of the universe captures your heart with grace through forgiveness and freedom, it changes the way you live. And the scripture happens to call that very good. Verse 20, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way. God has a different way for you to live. Verse 21, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true, uh, true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. You know how demoralizing it is to feel like you're not headed anywhere? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, like you just keep failing and you're never good enough and you just like don't have direction in your life and you're never going to overcome the temptations of your heart. You may like be like, man, uh, who I am always hurts others, but I just can't stop being who I am. I just can't stop doing this, but it just keeps hurting people. It's hurting me, and I, I think it's hurting God. I just can't stop doing it, Matt, and I'm just in this journey. Here's what you need to know. This is so critical. There is a full assurance of faith, a full confession of hope. There's a full understanding that as you're battling through this temptation and this sin in your life, God has declared you to be good. He's working in you to be good, and one day you will actually be good. That's something you need to remember on this journey. That as you fight through it, when you fail, God's going to restore. As you struggle, God's restoring. Don't forget that there's victory coming. It's so demoralizing to think that you're never going to be free. Victory is coming. Now, for some of you sitting out there today, you've never believed in Jesus Christ. You've never submitted to Him as Lord. And look, I'm telling you, man, there's not a lot of hope there. I'm just being real with you. There's not a lot of hope in that. Because the journey you face today, the battles you're facing today, the temptations and the sin, I can't promise you that one day you're going to be restored into what is good. There's just no promise in that. Here's what I can promise you. The same God who came and lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I couldn't die, raised from the dead because I couldn't, that same God promises you that one day when you die, you will raise from the dead. And when you raise from the dead, you're going to be what you were created to be. Outside of that, I can't promise you. But within Christ, I can promise you everything. Everything required for life and godliness. Outside of Christ, I can't promise you everything, but inside of Christ, I can promise you full hope and full victory that is coming. And you need this. I'm telling you, we're going to get the third phase of this process, which is called re-envision glory. And there's going to be a time where you're going to, you're going to think through this temptation. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to think about your life without that sin and temptation in it. Think about your relationships without that sin and temptation in it. I'm going to ask you to think through what life would look like if you were able to fully overcome that sin. And I can't promise you that outside of Christ, but inside of Christ, I can promise you that one day, whether on earth or in heaven, you're going to be free. And that is good. And sometimes, y'all, I got to cling to that. Because sometimes I'm not, I don't feel victorious in this flesh. Y'all with me? Sometimes it just doesn't feel, it does not feel victorious in this flesh. But I know that victory is coming. And look, here's something we've missed, but it's so eloquently put at the end of uh, chapter 10 in Hebrews. It says in verse 24, And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together, together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Remember, the Holy Spirit enables... God's word guides, and his church admonishes, encourages, provokes. In this passage, and specifically, it says it provokes us to love and good works. Hey, this church, these people around you, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are living according to God's word and by the power of the Spirit, and are walking in faithful community, deep community, and discipleship type relationships, those are the people you surround yourself with, and you ask them to provoke you towards love and good works. And sometimes that means there's got to be a little tension. Sometimes that means that they need to bring up things in your life that look like sin. They need to talk to you. They need to recognize the sin in your life that you aren't willing to admit is there. 
And I, I look, I'm just being real with you. I got people like this in my own life. One of them sitting here right now, Nick. Uh, he's one of my best friends. I've invited him into that kind of a relationship with me, and he calls me out often, and I appreciate it. And here's why. There's a garbage gospel message being preached out there. And that message is this. Don't judge me. It seems like good news. That's garbage. It's ridiculous. And here's why. If I'm running off a cliff and I'm about to fall to my death, I want you to tell me to stop. Have you ever seen those movies where they're rafting down the river and it's like they're rafting and everything's good and all of a sudden this huge waterfall comes and they're about to just like go down it? You know what I'm talking about? And it's always like this huge climactic moment. I'm like, why didn't you know there was a waterfall, first of all? But second of all, you want help. You want somebody to yell at you like two miles back. Hey, waterfall in two miles, it's a 200-foot drop. You're not going to make it. Why would we not want that in our life? And God has created a people called the church who can do that well and should do that well. We put people around us to judge, not in a negative way, but in a positive way, to say, man, you're about to fall off that cliff. And look, God's word was never, no, never uh, unclear on this. What it is, is we ought to be able to look at each other with a righteous lens, not an unrighteous one. With a lens that is able to look at each other and say, man, I see something going on in your life, and it's not good for you. That's good for us. That's what we need in our lives. This garbage gospel message that says, don't judge me, is just leading you into hell. It's not loving. It's not kind. It's ridiculous. It's not the gospel message that you need. You need to be told this. I care enough about you that if you're headed towards hell, I'm going to talk to you about it. And whether you like it or not, I need to know that I've tried to save you from falling off that waterfall through the power of Jesus Christ and His Spirit enabling you. And I hope that my brother, Nick, and other brothers who are close to my life will say something before I fall into a sin that is going to lead me into hell, that, that, that I fall into away from Christ, that I deny my Savior and my Lord. I hope that somebody will speak up. That's not evil and wicked. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love, good, love and good works. I'll tell you what, man, if, if I don't provoke you, and if I, if, I, if I don't sit down with you occasionally and just be like, hey, man, I see something going on in your life, it's probably because I don't love you. That would be wicked. So we have these truths. We grow through His Word, we grow through His Spirit, and we grow through His church. His Word guides us, His Spirit enables us, and His church admonishes us. And look, here's, here's a problem. And I, I just want to sit in this with you, and I'm okay sitting in, with, in it with you. People misuse God's Word. And look, I know some of you in here are like, man, I don't, I don't trust the Bible. Somebody's used it to harm me. They told me something that I couldn't do from it. Man, I understand that like, people misuse the Bible and hurt people. I understand people misuse the Spirit. I was listening to one guy talk about the Spirit and how people use, misuse the Spirit. Some people will like pray and they'll be like, man, I prayed about it, so it's solidified. That's the truth. I prayed about it. I am holy enough that I prayed about it, and so I'm firm. I'm not going to change. Well, I'd, I'd like to ask some questions. What was that prayer time like? I'd also like to ask, what, what, did, what did God speak to you? And was it consistent with God's Word? Because if it's not consistent with God's Word, it probably wasn't from God. We start to use the Spirit to our own advantage. Like, the Spirit told me to do this. Well, okay, but is it in alignment with God's Word? Or are you hearing voices in your head? 
Or are you manipulating the Spirit to act like it's the Spirit and it's really not? Do you even know how to speak to the Lord? Pray to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. We start to misuse the Spirit. I, I know that the church has been wicked in how it's misled people. Corrupt in the advice that it has given to people and the instruction that it's given to people. I know that you might have experienced this in a church, in your childhood, teenage years, or at some point in your life. You may have experienced some leader, whoever it may be, in the church misguiding you, hurting you. I know I have. No matter what that experience is like, I want to tell you something. God's Word is not bad because evil, wicked men use it in evil, wicked ways. We've got to trust God's Word, not the evil, wicked people that misuse it. The Spirit of God is not evil and wicked. It is good and wants what is good for you. God's church, though it may look wicked and evil at times, is not. It just loses its way. It makes mistakes. My hope is you will be able to trust in God's Word, trust in the Spirit's work in your life, and trust God's church to come around you and to guide you. And may we study God's Word to know when we speak it, we are speaking truth. May we be so close to the Spirit that we know that when we're living in it and speaking to others, that we're not going to disrupt what God is doing in their life. May we be people in God's church living like Christ so that when others hear us, see us, and model what we do, they're following Christ. As Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. This morning, I'm going to briefly give you six ways that you can progress through a growth plan to overcome sin. Six ways. First, recognize sin, repent from sin, re envision glory, renew your heart, renew your mind, and retrain your actions. We're going to work through this for the next few weeks, going into the uh, Sermon on the Mount, coming back to 2 Peter, and going throughout Scripture. We're going to look at how to recognize sin, repent from sin, re envision glory for our lives, renew our hearts, renew our minds, and retrain our actions. All for the purpose of what? Being conformed into the image of God. Now, if, look, I'm, I'm just keeping it real. Next week we're going to talk about repentance. And it's going to be difficult. I want you to be able to come in here and be like, you know, God work in me, change my life, but I know there's going to be tension. I'm going to ask you to consider giving that up to God. We're going to create safe space for you to be honest with someone you trust, either in this room or later in that day, to be honest and and repentive to say, I'm turning away from this and I'm walking towards Christ. I'm done with this, repenting from this. But that means that today we need to start the process of recognizing sin. And we do this in three ways, and I told you it. God's Word guides us, God's Spirit enables us, and God's church encourages us. God's Word will reveal sin to you. Clearly, in Scripture, God's Word tells us what is right and wrong, but sometimes in wisdom. Paul tells us, all things are permissible, but not all things are good for you. That means that God is going to give you wisdom on what is good and what is evil. We see this from James chapter 1. We see this in Proverbs. God is giving us wisdom. 
May we have wisdom to see what is right and wrong, discernment to see what is right and wrong. May we uh, read God's word and trust that it is good for us and not evil for us, believing that what God has given us in this scripture is actually what is good for our lives. May we trust that God's working through his spirit to help us to recognize sin. You see, God's word helps us recognize sin. God's spirit helps us recognize sin. God's spirit is always working in you to reveal sin. We're trying to suppress it. Romans 8, he's praying for it. God's Spirit is always working in you to reveal sin in your life. And finally, when we put people around us that help us to recognize sin in our life, who are willing to say, look, I see this in you, and I don't think this is good for you. This is sin. The first step is to recognize sin. Now, I understand that some of you are going to be like, man, I, always, I, get, I get an email, man, like you, you preach too much Bible. I get the email like you preach too practical. I'm giving you practical steps. I know they're not going to work for everybody. I know, that, I know that everybody's going to have to like go through Scripture, but here's what I found with the biblical theology of what Christ is doing in our life. First step is this, to recognize sin. You've got to recognize it to be able to repent from it. And I know that we're going through a journey. You're not going to recognize every single sin in your life. You may be like 70 years old and look back and go, man, when I was 20, this sin was in my life. And it's taken me 50 years to be able to admit it. But I'm just asking if you would let God's word guide you, his spirit enable you, and his church speak into you to recognize sin that is in your life. And so the way that we're going to do that is we're going to believe that God's power can overcome sin, that one day we will be truly made into the image of God, that his spirit enables, his word guides, and his church encourages We're going to walk into this process knowing that one day we're going to find victory no matter what we find today. By grace, through faith, one day we're going to find victory. Even when we stumble through this life, we're going to find victory one day. Because I know that today, there's somebody in this room, your marriage is falling apart. You've been looking at porn You've been engaging in sex outside of your marriage. Your marriage is crumbling and you're like, I'm done. I cannot overcome this temptation. Y'all, that's garbage. That is a lie from hell. I'd use stronger words, but I'm in the church. I'm just being real with you. Peter uses a bunch of stronger words. He calls it dung in a strong way. And I'm telling you, it's garbage. It's a lie from hell. And what it's trying to tell you is this. You will never find victory in this life. Oh, well, of course, John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You think he's going to tell you that you can find victory? Stop listening to Satan. It's garbage. Men, stop listening to Satan. It's garbage. You can overcome. Ladies, stop listening to Satan. It's a lie from hell. Divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Stop listening to the garbage that's telling you that you won't find victory. It's a lie. Whether it's right now or forever into eternity, God is working in you to recreate you into the image of God, His Son, conforming you, transforming you, patterning your life after the victory that Jesus Christ secured when He lived His life on this earth. There's somebody in this room sitting here today and you had friendships that you broke 
because of lies, cheating, stealing, gossiping, slandering them, envying, jealousy. You broke every relationship and every friendship you've ever had. You may have lost a spouse because of it. You've lost your best friend because of it. You don't have a support network around you because of it. And you're sitting here in this room like, man, I am the worst of the worst friends and I'll never find out how to be a good friend. I'll never restore good relationships with coworkers and people around me. Because, Matt, you're talking about these relationships with people that you put around you. I can't have that because of the way that I treat people. And I can't stop doing what I'm doing. I can't stop treating people like dirt. That is a lie from hell, y'all. It's garbage. It's not the gospel. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross and raise from the dead so that you could feel like you're a failure. It's a lie. And if we're going to walk into recognizing sin, we need to know that at the end of this journey, there's freedom. Nobody wants to go through this and wrestle through this without finding victory. And I can promise you, by grace through faith, if you believe in Jesus Christ, there's victory in your future. I think somebody's sitting here in this room today who's had anger issues their entire life. You've yelled at people. You've hurt people. Every time something bad happens, you pop off and you're like, I'll never stop it, Matt. Don't even talk about it. It just makes me squirm because you're just talking about it. Man, I don't want you to feel like you're a failure, like you're guilty, like you're sitting here, like you'll never overcome. Man, that kind of feeling, you were never created for that kind of feeling. We weren't created for sin. We weren't created to feel guilt. You weren't created to feel that tension you're feeling in your heart right now like you can't overcome anger. God's Word says His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. And we're sitting in here feeling like we're lost in failures. Man, I want to tell you something. Don't listen to that lie. It's garbage. And it's a false gospel. Peter calls it dung. Paul prays that they would be cut off from God because they're lying and and not true about what they're saying. About God's gospel. It's false. As the band comes, I just want to remind you of this truth as we walk away today. The war began when we first rejected God. Therefore, the first sin we have to engage is rejecting God. And I know that somebody in this room has been rejecting God for a long time. Or maybe you slipped into rejecting God because you're so tired of trying to follow after Jesus and not being able to do it. You're sitting in this room, maybe you come because others come or others make you come or there's something about church that you're just, you're allured to or something like that. I want to tell you something. There's something greater than that for you in this room. The gospel message of Jesus Christ has promised freedom and forgiveness for those who by grace, through faith, have come to Jesus Christ. And He wants more for you. Do you believe this? Y'all, He wants more for you. Sin does not have the final word. Victory through Jesus Christ does. I want you to go home today. I want you to take out a piece of paper. I want you to put a rectangle on it. And I want you to write your temptation or sin inside of it. I want you to put a circle around that and write the enemy of it. Because the enemy is the one who's brought that temptation and sin into your life. On the other side, I want you to put a circle and I want you to put God in the middle of it. 
Because we need to see clearly every single day that we are fighting sin and temptation from the enemy versus our God who has restored and is restoring us into perfection, into the image of God. We need to see that this is a clear battle, that I am not battling myself. That when I sin, I'm not just sinning against myself or the people around me. I'm sinning against the holy God who has created this universe. And I'm sinning against the God who is trying to restore me and working in me to restore me back into the, son of, into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. We need to see this clearly. I just want you to write this out. Maybe just start listing things out. Like, this is what the enemy is doing. These tactics he's doing against me. This is the war that is raging. And I'm going to have you over for the next about six weeks to eight weeks. I'm going to walk you through. We're going to write things on here. We're going to see the war as it should be seen. We're going to talk about recognizing sin, repenting of sin, envisioning what God has for us outside of this sin, renewing our minds, renewing our hearts, and retraining our actions. And I'm going to lead you through a process by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God guiding us and by the church of God admonishing us. I'm going to lead you through a process that in God's grace will restore you through this. And I can't promise you victory on earth, but I can promise you victory. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know that it will. And if you don't believe this and if you don't have this kind of hope, I just ask you, join me in prayer. And I'm going to pray that God will work in your heart. God, I trust you. I know that you're at work in this room. I know that your word does not come back void. I know that it is sharp enough to penetrate our hearts and challenge us where we're at. I know, God, that you are at work in somebody's life in this room right now, including my own. I know, God, that you are transforming us right now in this moment. I pray, God, that right now in this moment, you would be drawing people near to you. That if there's somebody who's never had faith in you, God, that they would believe that you are their Lord and Savior. I pray for those that are in this room that have made that decision and have submitted to you as their Lord. I pray, God, that your word would guide them, your spirit would enable them, and your church would encourage them. I pray, God, that right now, in this moment, lives would be changed forever for eternity. The victory would be tasted for the first time. Taste and see the Lord is good. I pray God that that 1 Corinthians 15 where of sin? Where's the death that you wanted for me? Because all I found is victory in Jesus Christ. Where's the sin, devil, that you wanted for me because I found this victory in Christ? I pray this, God, over our people that you would relieve that tension in their heart of feeling like they can never overcome, giving them the confidence that one day, whether on earth or in heaven, there is victory in your name. And God, may we cling to that today. May we trust in this today. May we trust in you as our only Savior. I pray this in your Son's name. Amen you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.